0: So you guys uh, like to be around happy people? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or do you rather be around grumpy people? No, no, no. Happy or grumpy? Happy. It's like one of those commercials, right? Which is better? Happy or grumpy? We got a happy person with us this morning, and it's her happy birthday. It's Kimberly. Kimberly, why don't you stand up so everybody can see a happy person. <laughs> happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Kimberly. Happy birthday to you. So thanks for being happy. Because if you were cranky, we wouldn't have done that. (laughs) <laughs> oh. So, check it out. We've going to talk about the Holy Spirit again. We started in Acts chapter 10, and we started yesterday or yesterday, last Sunday. It's a lot of teaching going on. <clears throat> Talking about the Holy Spirit and the evidence of the Holy Spirit in our life. And so, before we really get started and where we're going to go out this morning, I just wanted to touch base with uh, the things we talked about last time. Uh, some scriptural references will come up on the, on the PowerPoint just from, from the, the highlights of last time. Um, if you need or want my notes or the PowerPoint or whatever, I'd be happy to give it to you guys after the service. Just let me know. Um, but it's important because we want to understand, do I have a Holy Spirit in my life? Listen, a Holy Spirit is a seal, the guarantee that you're saved. So it's important to understand if the Holy Spirit is working in my life or not, and if not, why am I saved? If I am, what's going on that's hindering the Holy Spirit from working in my life? Here are the evidences, guys. We'll take a look at them. First, the Spirit helps us speak when we are in crazy situations and we need to bear witness of Him. In Mark thirteen eleven and Luke twelve twelve, we can go ahead to that next slide. It tells us, it lets us know, this is one of the things the Holy Spirit does. He gives us a word to speak at the time we need to speak it. We also know that the counselor teaches and reminds us of what we need to know and remember. He's our comforter, our advisor, our encourager, our strength. And he guides us in the way that we should go. We ever wonder what we should do, where we should go, what, what we should do next? That's the job of the Holy Spirit moving and working in our life. It's evidence when we have Him speaking to us, guiding and leading. Next, we see that from the Spirit we receive power to be God's witnesses to the ends of the earth. If we struggle with the ability to share our faith with someone else, it shows a lack of power in the Holy Spirit in our life. On the other hand, if we are able to bear witness, it shows the presence and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in our life. Uh, Next, we see that by the power of the Spirit, we put to death the misdeeds of the body. The Spirit sets us free from the sins we cannot get rid of on our own. The Holy Spirit, evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life, the ability to overcome sins that you're struggling with in your life. Evidence that the Holy Spirit is working in your life. Next, through the Spirit, we have received the Spirit of adoption as children. Which leads us into intimacy with the Father. Instead of a relationship based on fear and slavery, we have a relationship based on the familial love of God as our Father. So we don't come before the Lord in fear. We don't come before the Lord in fright. We don't come before the Lord fearful of judgment for lack of performance. We are able to boldly enter into the throne room of God and call Him daddy. That's a relationship with God, not a religion. That's based on the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in our life. Next, we see the Holy Spirit convicts people of sin. He does this both before we come into a relationship with him and afterwards. The Holy Spirit convicts us. Something's wrong in our life. If you, don't have the Holy, if you do not have the Holy Spirit convicting you of sin and you're living in sin, then there's a problem. There's a problem. It it's indicates that the relationship that I think I have, maybe I don't. It indicates we need to make some changes and consider what's going on. Uh, it's uh, the Holy Spirit which brings us life and freedom. Where the Spirit is, there is freedom, not bondage or slavery. In our world, it's plagued with death, this is a profound truth to real hope. That real hope, the real hope That we have through the Holy Spirit is a hope of freedom. The hope of freedom. He has set us free. Evidence of the Holy Spirit in our life. By the power of the Holy Spirit we abound with hope. Because our God is a God of hope who fills his children with joy and peace. Experiencing the joy and peace of God in crazy times is evidence of the Holy Spirit empowering your life. As members of God's kingdom community, each of us is given a manifestation of the Spirit. A gift, some people call it. In the Greek, the word is pneumatikon. It means uh, the same thing from where we get the word pneumatic. That powers our our tools. What powers the air blowing through it? What powers a believer? The pneumatikon. The Spirit is that which powers the believer. Every single believer has... A pneumaticon, a spiritual manifestation of the Holy Spirit in their life for the good of all. Not for the good of the individual, for the good of the entire body. And when we are not utilizing that gift within the body, the body is robbed. The church body is robbed. We need to be manifesting that. If you have experienced that, you see that, that's evidence of the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Finally, it's the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit includes love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If that's in your life, it's evidence of the power of the Holy Spirit moving through your life. The whole point of going over these things last week is to say, listen, if there's an area we should have not one or two, but all ten, that should be the stamp of a believer functioning in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. If we're lacking in one of those areas, it then indicates that we need to go before the Lord and find out what is it that's hindering? What's stopping that empowerment in my life? What's going on in my life that would hinder the empowerment of the Holy Spirit? So as we take a look now, we're gonna be talking today. Again, we're gonna talk about this concept of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the empowerment of the Of God's spirit in our life. What's that look like? So we're going to take a quick tour through it all. Why don't you open up in your Bibles to John chapter 14. We're going to read some red words. Everybody knows what the red words mean, right? That means Jesus said it. John chapter 14. We're going to pick it up at verse 16. Jesus speaking to the disciples the night of his betrayal says and I will pray to the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. This helper, the Holy Spirit, John 14, 16. Verse 17, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he will dwell with you and will be in you. You know him for he dwells with you and he will be in you. In you. Jesus says he's describing the power of the Holy Spirit working in the life of believers that is going to come when he dies, is buried, resurrects, and ascends into heaven. He said, I'll give the helper, I'll give the spirit. When he gives that helper, he describes the work of that helper in three different prepositions. Two of them are here in John 14, verse 17. He says, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the Spirit will be in you. That's what happens when we come to faith. Prior to that, he says, he dwells with you. The Greek word is para. He comes alongside. Listen, no one comes to faith in Jesus Christ except the Holy Spirit draws him. The Holy Spirit draws. That's the work of para. When the Holy Spirit is with you, he's with everyone. He's here. He's in our midst. He's in the midst of two or three gathered together for judgment. The Bible says "Where two or three are gathered. There I am in your midst. He's throughout the world, convicting the world of sin. So we, we know that the Holy Spirit is with us. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, He comes in us. We know in John chapter 20, in John 20, Jesus, after He rose from the dead, He looked at His disciples, He breathed on them, and He said... Receive ye the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you a question. When God in Genesis 1-1 said, Let there be light, what happened? There was light. there was light. So when Jesus said, Receive ye the Holy Spirit, what happened? They received the Holy Spirit. It's a command. They received the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was in them as He had been with them prior to that. So now we see they, they come to faith. Like many believers, they come to faith, and the Holy Spirit is with them. But let's turn to Luke chapter 24. Just go to your left a couple of pages. You'll come to Luke 24. In Luke 24, verse 49, again, words in red, Jesus speaking to his disciples as he's preparing uh, to be gathered up into heaven. In Luke 24, 49, he said, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. That's the Holy Spirit. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endowed with power from on high. He says, you are going to be empowered. I send the promise of my Father. There's the third Greek preposition. Upon you. That word is the word epi. The best way to understand epi is if I took a pitcher of water and I put a hose in it and I turn the hose on. That pitcher of water, N, happens when it fills up with water. Epi happens when you don't turn the hose off. You don't turn the hose off and the pitcher is overwhelmed. The water flows out over the top and begins to affect the environment around it. The table gets wet. The tablecloth gets wet. That's the picture of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit enabling you to affect the world around you so that God equips us to be his witnesses. Jesus said in John 14, the Holy Spirit is with you. The Holy Spirit will be in you. In John chapter 20, the Holy Spirit was in them. In Luke chapter 24, verse 49, he said, wait here until you have been endowed with power when the Holy Spirit comes upon epi overwhelms you when the holy spirit overwhelms you he will overwhelm you for service this is what jesus taught this is what jesus taught in regard to the holy spirit now let's turn to the right we come to acts chapter 1 verse 8 acts chapter 1 verse 8 we see jesus giving the same direction to his disciples prior to his ascension he said, but you shall receive power, dunamos, dynamite, power, the power to be who God's asking you to be. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come, what's the word? Upon you, epi, overwhelmed you when the Holy Spirit has filled you to overflowing and you begin to affect the world around you because the Holy Spirit is empowering you to be a witness. He said that power will come upon you. He tells us why it comes upon us. And you shall be witnesses to me. That word witness is the Greek word martus. Same word from which we get the word martyr. You will be a martus, a witness, a living martyr, living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus said, go into all the world making disciples of All men, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them the things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. The ability to do what God's called every single one of us to do is dependent on the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. You cannot do it on your own. You won't do it on your own. You won't move, you won't speak, you won't do without the epi, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, the idea of baptism of the Holy Spirit, people get hung up on it, but here's what that means. The bat- baptize, when we baptize somebody on the 17th, what do we do? We bring them to the cattle trough and we put them under the water. They're totally immersed, completely covered. The water affects every part of their life, every part of their body, head, feet, hands, toes, everything under the water. They come up out of the water. They have been utterly and completely immersed. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is the same thing. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is being utterly, totally, completely immersed in the power of the Holy Spirit to be equipped for service. God has given every one of us a commission. The ability to fulfill that commission is directly dependent on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Before those same disciples who saw Jesus rise from the dead, Who had received the Holy Spirit into their life, before they did one thing, Jesus said, wait until you get power from the Holy Spirit. Well, let's see what happened. It says in Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, verse 2, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a rushing wind, a mighty wind, and it filled the whole house that they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire. One sat on each of them, and they were all, what's that word? Filled? Jesus said, wait for the baptism. But when it occurs, the scriptures say they were what? Filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now here's what happened. The day of Pentecost had fully come. The, the time to fulfill that feast day had arrived. And the sound, the scripture says, the sound is of a mush, righty, big, daboo. a uh, Rushing, mighty, sometimes you trip over things. You get going. A rushing, mighty wind. Listen, I don't know if you've ever heard a tornado. Or in Idaho, sometimes we hear crazy wind. The other night, the wind was howling. So I almost woke Kathy up and said, maybe we should go in the basement. I think I seen, I told you, I saw a desk blow by. A still in my yard, by the way. <laughs> Nonetheless, they heard the sound of this mighty Rushing wind. And the people came. And when they came, they were greeted by 120 guys speaking in tongues and every person there heard them in their own language. It was miraculous. A miraculous event taking place. And then we see Peter stand up and preach the word to them. There's at least two manifestations of the Holy Spirit working there. One, the gift of tongues. Two, the gift of prophecy. Peter stands up and through the gift of prophecy delivers the word. The people hear the word, receive the word, and they say to Peter, 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 what should we do? Look what the scripture tells them in chapter 2, verse 38. Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. And you shall do what? Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. When you put your faith in Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit. In order to be empowered, you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You need the filling. You need the overwhelming. You need the epi. You need the epi to give you the strength to be who and what and to do what God is calling you to do. Well, then we continue looking through the pages of Acts in chapter 4. In Acts chapter 4, verse 8. Well, we just saw Peter baptized in the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, right? In Acts chapter 4, verse 8, it says, Then Peter, what's the word? Filled with the Holy Spirit said to them, Rulers and people of the elders of Israel, If we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man by what means he has made, been made well, let it be known to you and all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified whom God raised from the dead by him, This man stands here before you whole. He was again filled with the Holy Spirit. He would already been filled in chapter 2. Do we only need one? Is there only one filling? Now you may say there's only one baptism. The first event throughout Scripture seems to be called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. After that, everywhere you go, it's called the filling. Peter had it in chapter 2. He needed it again in chapter 4. Oh, wait a minute. That's chapter four, verse eight. Look at chapter four, verse 31. Chapter four, verse 31. It says, And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. That's twice in the same chapter. Filled with the Holy Spirit, empowered by God to do what God was asking him to do. Peter was present in both cases. He was there in Acts chapter 2. He was there in Acts chapter 4. He was there at the beginning in Acts chapter 4 the end of Acts chapter 4. And the Holy Spirit was empowering him to be. Listen, have you ever wondered why this whole Christianity gig has never measured up to what the Bible says it is? Maybe it's because... We have the faith to believe, but we lack the power to see the reality of Jesus Christ moving and working in our life. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's a lack of the power of the Holy Spirit and our surrender to that power that yeah. is the difference between what we see on the page and what we live in our life. Wherever the, the gospel went, the apostles came to bring the baptism of the Holy Spirit upon the people. To see the people moved moved. In power and and majesty. Let's look. Let's look at Acts chapter 8. Flip over to the right. Is that right? Yeah, go right. Acts chapter (laughs) 8. Acts chapter 8, verse 14. Now, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen, what's the word? Upon Epi. He had not overwhelmed any of them. When they came to faith, the Holy Spirit was in them. But he had not empowered them yet for service. So what happens? The the apostles come, lay hands on them, pray for them. And the scripture tells us that that at that moment, they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, but when they laid hands on them, they received the Holy Spirit. The empowerment of God to be who God's asking them to be. To experience The relationship with God, like you can only experience it through the reality of God living in you. Of God empowering you by the Holy Spirit. Well, listen, we're just reading what the Word says, right? I don't really care what that church believes, that church believes, or the other church believes. It doesn't make any difference. What does the Word say? What does the Word tell us? We're not even partway through the book of Acts. How many times? How many more we got to talk about? Let's talk at least about a couple more. Turn to page. Acts chapter 9 verse 17. And Ananias went his way and entered the house and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you might receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. We see him pray for him. It says, scales fell from his eyes, he got up, he ate something, he hung out with the disciples, and immediately he went out and preached Jesus Christ as the Messiah. That's Saul, the biggest enemy of the church. Did he need it? Apparently so. He came to faith when he met Jesus on the road. You guys know that, right? Uh, He stood face to face with Jesus, got blind, God spoke to him. That's kind of an intense experience. Would you agree? I think when he left that intense experience, he's a believer. But he still needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts 9, 17. Well, then we come to Acts chapter 10, where we were last week. Acts chapter 10. In verse 44, this is a a mind blower here. Acts chapter 10, verse 44, while Peter was still speaking, Peter is still preaching. Peter hasn't got to the altar call, nobody's prayed a prayer, nobody's raised their hand, nobody's made the choice to follow Jesus, nobody's done any of that yet. The Bible says in verse 44, while Peter was still speaking, these words the Holy Spirit fell, what's the word? Upon, the Holy Spirit overwhelmed Cornelius and all the people that were in the house. Cornelius, I love how God does this, Cornelius believed the holy spirit moved into him and overwhelmed him all in the same moment you know why god does that so you and i can't make a box we can't make a box and say here's what you do you do this and this is how it's going to happen god says you don't need no box you come to me you come to me you trust me and i'm going to give you everything you need for Cornelius, it all happened at once for the samaritans it, it happened several days apart for the apostles the the 12 guys who followed jesus Those guys, they had to wait 10 days, 10 days for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to come into their life. And after that, He came again in chapter 4, twice. And after that, He came again in chapter 8. And after that, He came again in chapter 9. And after that, He came again in chapter 10. And let me tell you this, it's not going to stop all the way through the book. It's not going to stop when you get to the epistles. It's not suddenly going to go away so you don't have to worry about this thing anymore. It's there on every single page. The idea of being empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now, every time I talk about this, people get hung up on semantics. Look, I don't care what you call it. The first time it happens, I call it the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Every time after that, I call it being filled. If you have a problem with that concept, you have a problem with the Word of God. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 says, be ye being filled with the Holy Spirit. Do not be drunk with wine, which is a waste of time, but be ye being filled with the Holy Spirit, continuously, constantly, every day, every moment. Those are God's words. That's what God's word teaches us. So as we look at this and as we see this empowerment of God moving through the early church, maybe Part of the reason why our experience is different, if it is, perhaps your experience isn't any different. Perhaps your experience is exactly what we read about in, picture, pray, or in Scripture. Praise the Lord, that's awesome news. If it's different, perhaps the problem, the lack of power in your life to experience a real change of God moving and working in your life is a direct result to you needing the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Bible not only tells us, are we baptized in the Holy Spirit? And then thereafter, continuously and constantly in need of being filled with the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon us over and over and over again. But it also tells us that we, you and I, can hinder the process. We can stop what God's wanting to do in our life based on some choices that we make. So this morning, as we look at this, let's just talk about what is required. What is required? On scripture. To receive the Holy Spirit. To receive that baptism and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. What is it that God's word tells us? The very first thing is. You must be saved. Look if you're not saved. This is all crazy talk. And you're sitting there thinking. This is the dumbest thing I ever heard. I can't believe I got to sit through another. It's only 11. And. I heard about this preacher. He goes till 12. I got another hour. Oh, you're kidding me. It's just grueling. If that's going on in your mind, the Bible says that the natural man cannot discern the things of the spirit for they're spiritually discerned. None of this makes sense if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it's all gobbledygook. It's not ever going to make no sense. The empowerment will never come, you will never experience unless you are saved. The second thing that is required is a renouncement of sin. Well, that actually is required for salvation. Yeah, you know, when every time Jesus was asked, What do we need to do? He would say, Repent. Repent. What's that word mean? It means to renounce sin. And go the other direction, to change your lifestyle, to renounce it. Once upon a time, we were sin-loving, sin-indulging, and we need to become sin-hating. If we're still living in sin, and we're okay in that place, you will never receive the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in your life, ever. Not ever. Oh, come on, all the things the Bible talks about, that's old-fashioned. This is today. We don't got to live our life that way no more. This is all new. If you don't renounce sin, doesn't mean you're perfect. It means that you renounce it. That I say, you're right, God, I'm wrong. This is wrong. Deliver me. If I don't do that, I'll never have the empowerment of the holy spirit equipping me to do the things i need to do requires a definite heart searching psalm 139 listen to what david says in psalm 139 23 and 24 search me o god know my heart try me know my anxieties see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting wow. renounce sin we got to turn our back on it we got to Walk the other direction. Jesus would say, repent and follow me. As a church, we got together and put together the prayer, right? You guys know that the prayer is not in the Bible. The closest thing to the prayer being in the Bible is Romans 10, 9 and 10, which says, Confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and you will be saved. Confess, by the way, means to proclaim before the multitudes, The idea is not that I'm in the closet somewhere, I'm a top secret Christian. The idea is I am out in the open, believer in Jesus Christ. I confess him. I'm on the Lord's side and I believe and you'll be saved. Cornelius never prayed a prayer. He just heard the words, believed them in his heart. The Holy Spirit overwhelmed him and he spoke in tongues. Had to be a bit freaky for him. To be honest, right? Has he ever heard it before? Probably not. He ever experienced anything like that? Nope. All he knew is he wanted to know the truth about God so bad, he could hardly wait till Peter began to teach. And when he heard it, he knew it, he believed it, and God empowered him. So we got to be saved. We got to renounce sin. The third thing is going to sound a little weird. The third thing is you got to be baptized. Oh, now come on, Jackie. We just read those guys weren't baptized till after the Holy Spirit came on them. Well, you're right. And Paul, Saul at the time, wasn't baptized till afterwards either. So let me explain what I mean. You know what baptism is all about? Baptism is... Baptism... i got to slow down, sorry. Baptism is about maybe... You're kidding me, right? That's all, folks. My brain is running faster than my mouth can keep up. Okay, let's try that again. (sighs) Baptism is about making a public proclamation that I am a believer in Jesus Christ. So when I say baptism is required, what I mean is you have to want to be out there and say, I am a believer. You got to want to be known by the people, by whomever looks at you, that I'm for real, that Jesus Christ is my savior. And it's not a popular place to be. To be honest, it's popular in here, but as soon as you go out there, it stops being popular. The places that you go is not a popular thing, but the attitude of your heart has to be, I want to be for him, for Jesus. That's what I mean by you have to be baptized. What is a baptism? It's immersed in water, proclaiming to the multitudes, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. That's what baptism is. That's what it is. That has to be your heart. If you want to experience the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in your life. If you want to go from the, the fake religion where you're just punching a card and saying, check, I did my time. If you want to move from that to the empowerment of Almighty God and experiencing the crazy things God has for you. Amen. Then you have got to want to be out there. A yeah. A believer. You got to be in the midst of a crazy crowd that's talking about how stupid Christians are and you got to be able to stand up in that crowd and say, I'm one of those stupid guys. If you want to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, your life will lack power always. We have to be at that point, at that place where we want to be known. The next thing, well, let me tell you this. This. One of the greatest pictures of that is Jesus Christ. You know, in Luke chapter 3, verse 20, Jesus comes to be baptized by by John the Baptist. And the Bible says he goes down under the water. And when he comes up, a voice from heaven says, you remember, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Right? And then what happened? The Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove. By the way, it doesn't mean a dove came down. Like a dove is a language of metaphor. It means... Like a dove flies, the Holy Spirit flew into him. That's the scripture is saying. So the Holy Spirit came into Why? What was Jesus' baptism? He's proclaiming himself to the masses. I am the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the earth. He's, He's baptized and comes up, anointed by the Holy Spirit, ready for service. When did his ministry begin? Right then. Right then. Three years, public ministry. You ever thought about that, by the way? A guy who only had three years of public ministry in an area that's roughly maybe 30 miles circumference and we're still talking about it 2,000 years later. (laughs) You ever thought about that? That's like saying, same thing, as saying somebody grew up and lived in Buell and Filer their whole life. But people on the other side of the world are still talking about the things they did. Now, when I've been to the other side of the earth and said I'm from Buell, you know what they say? Where's that? <laughs> but not so with Jesus Christ. He's not the same as you and I. Was well, something amazing about Jesus Christ. Something amazing about the things that he did. The next thing that we see, not only do you got to be saved, not only do you got to renounce sin, not only do you got to be willing to be a believer out there before the masses, But you have to surrender to the will of God. If you want the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in your life. You have to be willing to surrender to the will of God. Acts 5.32 says, We are his witness to these things. So also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. We have to accept His will. Surrender to His will. Obedience is an attitude of our will. Do you understand that? I'm not talking about being perfect. I'm talking about my attitude changing. My attitude becoming the attitude of obedience. I want to obey God's will. Do you want to obey God's will? Do you want to do God's will or do you want to do your will? If you want to do your will, you'll never experience the empowerment of God. So you'll always be thinking, this is dumb. This relationship with God is stupid. People just get together, sing songs, talk about what's in the Bible, waste half of a perfectly good Sunday, and I could have done a hundred other things. It'll never mean anything. The empowerment will not be there, except if you're willing to say, man, I, I want to obey God's will. I got to lay down my will. What did Jesus do in the Garden of Gethsemane? Scripture says that He said, "If there be any other way, nevertheless, not my will, yours be done." He did that for us, for us to understand the importance of laying down our will. It's like saying to the Lord, "I'm all yours." A great picture of that is in Leviticus chapter 9. Leviticus chapter 9 talks about the burnt offering. The burnt offering was an offering that was utterly and totally consumed on the fire, given to God completely. The picture is, if you're consecrated to God, you're all His. Some of us come to God and we say, okay, Lord, um, all right, I'll give myself to you, but here, you can have my arm. And we'll put our arm up on the altar. When your whole being is on the altar, the fire comes. You throw your arm up on the altar, nothing's going to happen. You put a foot up there. You put some of your whatever. doesn't matter. Unless you put all of you on the altar and surrender all of you to the Lord God Almighty, the fire won't come. The empowerment. Look, I'm not telling you you can't be saved. What I am telling you is you'll feel like this is dumb. Where's the power we read about? Where's the move of God in my life? Where's the voice of God directing me? Where's all the things we read about in the scripture? Because if this is true, it's true today. If it's not true today, it's not true at all. Because it says it's true forever. If I want to experience the power of God in my life, I've got to surrender my will. I've got to climb up and offer myself wholly and completely to God. Listen to this. We are the burnt offering. It is when we bring ourselves as a whole burnt offering to the Lord and lay ourselves thus upon the altar that the fire comes and God accepts the gift. Here we touch upon the hindrance of the baptism with the Holy Spirit in many lives. There is not total surrender. The will is not laid down and the heart does not cry. We've got to surrender. We got to present ourselves to the Lord. Listen to this verse. Psalm eighty-four, eleven. For the Lord is my son and my shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. You hear that? It's either truth or a lie. He says, No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. And that's, that's pretty amazing scripture. Does yeah. that line up with your experience? It should. It should. The next thing we see that we need in order to receive the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in our life is an intense desire for the Holy Spirit. Intense desire. You guys ever met really intense people? So make you nervous sometimes. You know, there's, wow, that dude is intense. <laughs> Jesus said in John chapter, chapter 7, John chapter 7, am I right? You guys will correct me later if I'm wrong. John chapter 7, I think Jesus said, listen, if any of you are thirsty, come unto me and I will give you living water. Living water. Nothing quite as intense as thirst. Right? You've been really thirsty before? I mean like, oh, I'm so thirsty. One time, when I was a kid, we climbed up uh, Mount San Gorgonio. San Gorgonio is a pretty tall mountain in California. And I was a kid, so back then I didn't think I ever needed anything. So I showed up for this hike up to the top of Mount San Gorgonio with nothing. Well, I had shoes and the clothes I was wearing, but that was it. I mean, what's the big deal? We'll go to the top of the mountain, come down. What's the big deal? Except that the climb to the peak of San Gregorio took about half the day. If you kept going real steady pace and you start pretty high up. So I got literally to about 500 feet from the peak and was gassed. I don't mean I was sort of tired I mean, done, finished, kaputs, leave me on a mountain, bring a helicopter to get me down. And I was so thirsty. I'm licking the dirt, hoping I could draw some moisture out of the soil because I'm, I'm so thirsty. I wish I had a bottle of water. I didn't even bring no water. Oh, my gosh. When they came down from the peak, they went up there and signed their names. Nope, my name's not there. I only made it 500 feet from a place. Boom, on the ground, out of juice. So they come down and we begin the descent. Now, at first I'm doing the switchback thing, but I am thirsty. <laughs> and I'm so tired. I don't even want to take another step. You ever... Here's the concept of commitment. Ready? I got to the point where I stood on the, on the edge and I just said, I'm just going down. <laughs> and I started leaning forward and then gravity happens. And the next thing I know, I'm like going 40 miles an hour. If there's a tree in the way, it would have killed me. <laughs> Flopping down the tree. I went, I went down that mountain in like a quarter of the time it took us to go up. And I stopped the first stream I saw, face in the water, (laughs) (laughs) slurping that water up. That's how thirsty I was. Listen, the Bible says our intense desire for the Holy Spirit ought to be the same way. Rather than crying out, water, 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 my cry should be, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I need Him. I need Him. Even more than I needed the water on that day. So Jesus in scripture declares to us in John 7, 37. He said, come unto me. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But the scripture says, this he spoke concerning the Holy Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For at this time, the Holy Spirit was not yet given. Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit said, come unto me if you're thirsty, And I'm going to pour out torrents of living water out of you. Now, does that sound like just the Holy Spirit being in? Or does that sound like the Holy Spirit overflowing? Torrents of living water. What does that look like in your mind when I say torrents of living water? A little trickle. Man, it's going like crazy. That's how it sounds in my head. Water. That's the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I will give the Holy Spirit to him who thirsts. More of you, Lord. I need more of you. I need more of your Spirit moving and working and, and, and compelling, driving me. But not only is our desire for the Holy Spirit to be intense, it has to be pure. It has to be pure. My desire for the Holy Spirit cannot be for me. It can't be so that I'll be a better preacher. It can't be so that I'll be a better healer. It can't be so that I'll be thought of as more spiritual. It can only be, it must only be that I will glorify the Lord Jesus Christ with my life. That's intense and pure. Not intense and selfish. Intense and and pure. Remember when when the disciples or the apostles came and they laid hands on the Samaritans and they received the Holy Spirit, there was a guy watching. You remember? The guy's name is Simon. Simon goes, "Wow, that was really cool. Can I buy that trick from you?" That's an attitude of I just want everybody to think I got the power. It can't be like that. It's got to be pure. Our desire for the Holy Spirit must be intense. And our desire for the Holy Spirit must be pure. Pure. Next thing that we got to do, the next thing that must be a part of our life if we're going to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, we got to ask. Jesus said in, in Luke chapter 11, if you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in Heaven give the Holy Spirit to Him who asks? You gotta ask. You gotta ask. That's gotta be your desire, your desire to see, to be impacted, to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit is given. The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ died for the sins of the whole world. how come the whole world's not saved? Because though it has been given to all. Each individual person must appropriate it. They got to cash the check. That check somebody gave you is worthless unless you take it to the bank, right? Unless you receive the gift that Jesus freely gives individually, you on your own, no relationship with God. It's given to the whole world, but you have to appropriate it. You got to get it in your hands. You gotta put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You just gotta receive it. John chapter 1 to as many as received him, to them gave you the power to be called the sons of God. To as many as believed on his name. Gotta appropriate it. The Holy Spirit is poured out. You have to appropriate him. How do we appropriate him? We pray. Lord, empower me with your Holy Spirit. It's not hard, that's easy. We just got to pray. We have to ask. How is it that we give our faith and trust to Jesus Christ? The same way. What do we do? We pray. Lord, I put my faith and trust in you. You're my Lord and Savior. I believe. That's simple. That's simple. We have to appropriate what God has given. We have to lay our hands to it. We have to put our hands upon it. We have to ask. We have to ask. The last thing, because I'm nowhere close to done and you really don't want to stay till noon. The last thing we'll talk about this time is not only do you have to ask, you have to believe. You got to believe. You got to believe. Listen to what the word says. Mark eleven twenty four. 24. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Wow. That's a pretty incredible verse. You know, there's a lot of things I want. So I think I'll just pray for them and believe and I'll receive them. Oh, well, James goes on to tell us, you have not because you ask not. So one of the reasons why we don't have the things we desire, the empowerment of God in our life, we haven't asked. The other thing he says, or you ask amiss to spend it on your own pleasure. Yourself is on the throne, not the Lord God Almighty. So you're trying to make your life easier. You're trying to make your life better. The Bible says you're just trying to think about self. And if you're just thinking about self... You don't have it. You're not in alignment with God's will. You're not in agreement with God's word. But if I'm in alignment and agreement with God's word, and with his will, if I believe, I'll receive whatever I ask for. Whatever I ask for. I'll get it. I got to believe. Look at what. James says, James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, anybody here ever needed wisdom? Yeah, me too. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives to all liberally. That means he just keeps printing it out. Right? Everybody understands what liberally is, right? We have a liberal president. He just keeps printing more money. It just keeps going out. God does the same thing. He gives wisdom liberally. Liberally passes it out. He just gives it. He just wants to give wisdom liberally and without reproach. Man, he won't even be mad that you asked for wisdom. He's just going to give it to you. Guaranteed, no matter what, positively, God will give you wisdom if you ask for it. Have you ever asked for wisdom? Did you get it? Look what the Bible says. But let him ask in faith, no doubting. Let him ask in faith. For he who doubts is like a wave driven by the sea and tossed by the wind. Let not that man suppose he will receive anything. Believe that God will keep the word he gave you. Do you believe God will keep his word? Do you believe God's going to do what he said he's going to do? When you ask believing you will receive you got to ask and you got to believe that god wants to do what he said he's going to do first john chapter 5 verse 14 and 15 this is the confidence that we have in him if we ask anything according to his will he hears us and if we know that he hears us whatever we ask we know that we have the petitions we ask for i'm gonna be honest several years ago when my pastor's wife had cancer and we'd gather around and pray for healing, my prayers were selfish. Yeah, they were self-centered prayers. Well, I wanted to be able to stay up and play cards with her like we used to. I wanted to laugh like we used to. I wanted to hang out outside the church like we used to. I wanted the old days, you know, the good old days. I wanted the old days to last forever. I wanted to be able to experience the beauty and the majesty and the, and the glory of her smile and her joy and all the good stuff that made her who she was. And I wanted her to stay with us no matter what had to happen. So we prayed, God, heal her. Man, I was selfish. I'll tell her when I see her one day. I prayed selfish prayers. Listen, and by the way, it's not a cop out, so don't try to tell me that. When she opened her eyes and saw Jesus, that was the most beautiful experience of her life ever. No matter what other experiences she had, it was better than her kids being born. It was better than seeing her grandkids be married. It was better than seeing her last grandbaby be born. It was better than all of that. But I thought it'd be better if she was still here. Because this place is like all that it's cracked up to be, right? (laughs) Every day is just a party. Man, Paul said, to be with the Lord or to be with you. Oh, I want to be with the Lord, but it's better for me now to be with you. But when that's no longer true, God will take me home. That's the answer to prayer. It's just not the one you want. But it's the answer. Where is there perfect healing? In Jesus Christ. Where will there never be another tear? In Jesus Christ. But what's our problem? Oh, it makes me sad and I cry here. I told you before, if I die, don't pray for me to come back. <laughs> don't lay hands on my body and say, Lord, we need him. I will not be happy (laughs) you leave me in heaven where i'm in glory one day we'll all be there one day we'll all be there if we want the empowerment of god then we've got to be willing to ask him and not ask selfishly we got to ask for his will for His glory, for Him to be glorified and magnified in whatever the situation might be. And when we really want that, we really lay down our will, we're going to experience it. Listen, I think in the church today, there's a bunch of, of us, I was one of us, and, and we would check a card and I did my thing and I came to church and I sang some songs and punched, Sunday's gone, poof, it's over, and then I'm going to go about my week. But I would struggle with the idea, why is there no power in my life? Why, when it's time for me to bear witness of Jesus Christ and to tell this guy who's just running Jesus up and down one side or Christianity how stupid it is, why do I have nothing to say to him? The Bible said I didn't have to worry about a time to have an answer because the Holy Spirit would give it to me. But I don't feel it. Why? And we start to think that the stuff in there is not true. But the reality is I am not Living in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And I need to, or it'll never be real for you. And you'll never feel it. You'll never experience it. You'll never have the abundant life. It only comes, only comes. We ask. We put our faith and trust in Jesus. We renounce sin. We surrender our will. We intensely desire the Holy Spirit with a pure desire we ask and we believe and he gives it this morning we have opportunity to receive the Lord's Supper my encouragement to you would be this don't despise the Lord's Supper Paul said many of you are weak and sickly because you despise the Lord's Supper we have it available. Nobody's going to bring it to you. Nobody's going to pass it around. It's, it's here for you when you're ready. But what we're going to do is we're going to enter into worship. We're going to sing a couple of worship songs. And I encourage you, if you recognize that there's a need in your life for this empowerment, we're going to have prayer counselors up here. Bob and Christine are going to be up here. Any of the elders welcome to come on up here. Make yourself available for people to be able to come up and pray and lead them, guide them in that prayer so they can lay down that will or so they can renounce that sin or so they can experience themselves being ready to be used by God and believe that He'll give it to you. And when your heart is prepared and when you are ready, the, the Lord's Supper is here His body and His blood. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Remember my sacrifice until we do it together. So we want to remember that time. So we're going to enter into worship. And as we enter into worship, you'll have an opportunity to receive the Lord's Supper and an opportunity to pray continually to pray for the filling or the baptism of the Holy Spirit or laying down those things that are withholding the Holy Spirit from moving in your life. In a couple weeks we'll finish this whole series up and we'll we'll put it neatly in a box. My heart is, by that time, we all got it. We're all moving in the power of the Holy Spirit, ready for service. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for the opportunity we have to just Come before you, Lord Jesus, and just give ourselves away. Lord, I pray that you would receive the sacrifice of men and women this morning who are ready to lay aside all the things that inhibit your ability to move in their life. If they're not saved, Lord, I pray they come for salvation. If they are, Lord God, I pray that they would come for your empowerment so that they're ready to be your witness for your glory, for your praise, for who you are until that day when we see you face to face. Lord, I pray your spirit would move in our midst. Lord, I pray that you would prepare hearts. God, I ask that you would move in might and power in our, in our gathering this morning. Yes, Lord. And we give you all the praise and the glory for it in Jesus' name, amen.